So hello everyone. We are back with another episode of Humans of Mitigation. I'm your host Abhishek Kumar. Today we have Rene Chopping with us. She is a media literacy educator, anti-pornography advocate, and trauma re- uh, rehabilitation provider. Hi, ma'am. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? I'm I'm good, ma'am. Thanks for asking. Thanks for having me here today. Yeah, so ma'am, uh, I would like to express my gratitude on behalf of holding of Mitigaran. We are so glad to have you here. It's a pleasure to be here. So ma'am, uh, tell us a little bit about your life and your family. Yeah, so my family live in Australia. I'm from Australia originally, uh, from the Sunshine Coast, Queensland, to near the beach, which is lovely. Uh, so my mom and my two younger sisters still live there now. So. Whenever I'm not in India, I'm back in Australia with them. We're all very close, us girls. Um, my father passed away about eight years ago, quite suddenly, and since then, it's just brought us all a lot closer together. So, I really enjoy time with them, and thanks to technology, able to chat with them quite a lot as well. Um, a little bit about me: uh, I've been living overseas for. The last seven years, so I've been working with survivors of sex trafficking, particularly teenage girls, uh, in Thailand and Laos and Cambodia. Uh, and I moved to India about two years ago, and so I do the same here. I have branched out a little bit though, so I do, as you mentioned, I do a bit more in media literacy education and um, advocating against the harms of pornography, raising awareness stuff like that so that's kept me pretty busy over the last uh, few years so how is the environment changes around you when you move to india because it is completely different in australia it's definitely a culture shock well i moved from thailand to india okay. so it wasn't okay. very much of a culture shock i was uh, a little bit used to kind of that different way of living um but india is still different it's a yeah, it's a yeah. different country yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, there's a lot to learn. I think I quickly realized being here in India, I could live here for a lifetime and barely scratch the surface of understanding all the complexities of Indian culture. Uh, but I love learning about it. I've made some really great friends here. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, how many cities you have been in India? Have you been ever been to Delhi? I've been to Delhi once. Okay. It was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that where you are? Yeah, I'm, I'm from Delhi. Okay, yes, yeah. it's very easy. I'm in the south, I'm in Hyderabad. So it's a lot, uh, it's different here, right? Yeah, that's, that's great. So ma'am, uh, so ma'am, what is trauma and what types of traumas are there? Trauma is a deeply disturbing experience, right? It's not to be confused with distress or mental health, although they are definitely contributing factors to trauma. Um, But trauma is exposure to an event that has shaken you to your very core. It's something that alters the way that you see the world and it impacts the way that you interact uh, with those around you. And trauma actually infringes on your sense of uh, control and it might reduce your ability to integrate what you've been through into your current reality. So one of the most important things to understand about trauma is that it's not the event itself 
that warrants the term trauma, it's the ways in which we respond to the event. So you and I can both be in a car crash, yeah. the same car crash, but the ways in which I respond to that car crash might be very different to yours, right? Yeah. So you might be fine to kind of pick yourself back up again and get on with things. I might be deeply affected by that experience to the point where it affects my day-to-day -day functioning. Uh, when I do sleep, I might have nightmares. I might get flashbacks throughout the day. I might be experiencing anxiety as a result of that car crash. These are just some of the typical trauma symptoms or trauma responses that can come up. So the reason I outline that is because we can't assume that everybody who has been through a distressing event is going to be traumatized because that's not the case. Exposure to trauma is very common, uh, but trauma responses are less common. Yeah. Uh, and then to answer the second part of your question, uh, common types of trauma, um, I kind of, I mean, there are lots of different types of trauma, but I kind of categorize them as big T traumas and little t traumas. And this is not just me that does this, obviously a lot of people refer to these big T and little t traumas. So little t traumas are traumas that uh, exceed our capacity to cope and they cause a disruption in our emotional functioning. So these are distressing events, but they're not inherently life-threatening events. Um, but they can disrupt our sense of control or they can even, um, you know, open up feelings of helplessness in our lives. So it could be things like divorce or financial worries or legal trouble. These are examples of like little t traumas. Um, and again, that's not to say that everyone who experiences those things is gonna be traumatized, but it can it can affect us. Yeah, it depends deep. upon person to person, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Um, so it's the ways in which we respond to that or the ways that we're coping as a result of those things that have happened, that's what we need to pay attention to. And if we're careful, uh, if we're not careful, sorry, those little T traumas can have a cumulative effect leading to significant distress. So we need to pay attention to what our body is telling us in regards to how we're responding to you know those times of adversity in our lives and then we've got big t traumas which is uh, probably more in alignment with what i touched on before in regards to the definition of trauma so that's um distinguishing it as a significant event so an event that leaves a person feeling powerless or um, unable to have control of their environment so examples of that could be like sexual assault or combat or natural disaster even. Uh, so for those that do develop trauma symptoms, some of the common ones are, um, I also touched on those before, it's like nightmares, flashbacks, anxiety or depression or both. Uh, withdrawing from others is a common symptom of trauma. A difficulty uh, thinking straight or being able to concentrate on anything and also feeling disconnected from your body is quite a common one. Some would term it as, as feeling numb. Um, so yeah, that in a, in a nutshell is 
trauma. Yeah. So, ma'am, uh, what is uh, post uh, traumatic stress disorder, and is it different from trauma? And are these the same things? Um, it is a little bit different from trauma, but there is overlap. So, PTSD or post traumatic stress disorder—it's a mental health problem that some people develop after experiencing a deeply disturbing or like life-threatening event. Um, so. For, for all of us, it's normal to have upsetting memories, right? Or to feel on edge or to have trouble sleeping after something bad has happened. Um, and at first it might be difficult to go back to normal day-to-day functioning, like going to work or going to school or spending time with people you care about. But most people start to feel better after a few weeks or a few months. If it's been longer than a few months, and you're still having symptoms, you might have PTSD. So it's that, you know, long, long-term uh, difficulty going through your day-to-day life. Only a small percentage of people who have experienced trauma will go on to develop PTSD. So we hear about PTSD a lot, but it's probably a lot less common than you would think it would be. Um, on average, about every 10, uh, 10 of every 100 women exper- will experience PTSD in their lives and about four to every 100 men will experience PTSD in their lives. So a small percentage. So ma'am, how to identify that one have an and unhealed trauma. Yeah, I, I tend not to use the words healed or unhealed trauma because it's so trauma is so complex. And I feel like these terms are quite reductionist um, because they don't allow space to acknowledge trauma as a systemic issue in addition to an individual one. And it's an important question to ask because it's important for us to realize that there are so many things that contribute to trauma. Uh, Marginalized communities, for example, often don't have access to social workers, they don't have access to welfare support or psychological support, or even the ability sometimes to meet their most basic needs like having a safe place to live or to have access to regular meals or even um, access to clean drinking water. So these all contribute to trauma and they're not something that you can really heal from, right? Because it's a systemic issue. Um, If however, an an individual, for example, if someone's listening to this and they've experienced something in the past that has affected them in a negative or harmful way uh, and they have symptoms that are affecting their day-to-day functioning, I would say that's an indication that trauma is present in their lives. So again, it comes back to listening to your body. How childhood trauma can affect the health throughout the life? Uh, Chips away at a child's stability and sense of self, right? So this can undermine their self-worth and it can stay with them. Uh, right in they can be carrying that right into adulthood Um, so children who are exposed to abuse and to trauma may develop what's called a heightened stress response 
So this long-term stress and anxiety in their lives can impact their ability to regulate their own emotions. Um, it might lead to difficulty sleeping, which long-term has significant negative effects on our health. Uh, it can lower immune function um, and an increase, it actually significantly increases the risk of a, a number of physical illnesses throughout adulthood. So uh, childhood trauma is a big one to pay attention to. So ma'am, how to uh, overcome the trauma? Like if some someone suppose uh, identify that he's having a trauma and having a childhood trauma thing. So how to overcome that thing? What should be the first step? Yeah, well, so it would be different for children than it would be for adults. Yeah. Um, but basically, if they're going to really generalize it, you'd be looking at similar things in that we're looking at whole of person healing. So we're looking at how trauma has affected their psychological functioning, um, how it has affected their emotional functioning, physical functioning, spiritual functioning, how it's affected their relationships. Um, and we kind of just assess from there where to start in creating a trauma care plan. For people who don't have access to a therapist or someone who can create that care plan with them, there are other things that you can do. Um, but the, I think the most important thing, if I was gonna say it quite generally speaking, is to be connected with people. Um, relationships, the most healing thing that we can have in our lives, like having those support networks and being able to feel safe with other people. I mean, this is a big one for children and, and adults. Um, so being able to feel safe with people is probably the single most important aspect of mental health. Um, because safe connections are fundamental to meaningful and satisfying lives. And so probably what we would look at first is ways that we can foster those safe connections with other people. And so as a therapist or a trauma-informed carer, you'd be looking at ways that you can help the trauma survivor connect with people using lots of different interventions. How do we like, I'm not talking about like right trauma, but sometimes it happens with us, something happened with us in past and we keeps on thinking about it and it always keep in, remain inside our mind. So uh, we always keep on thinking about it. So how to distract ourselves from that situation? Yeah, there are a few different things that you can do. Um, it's different for every person, but narrative therapy is a really powerful tool in helping to reframe the stories that we're telling ourselves, right? So a lot of the times trauma or the symptoms of trauma continue to come up because we're telling ourselves negative and harmful things about what happened in that event um guilt and shame are common uh, experiences of trauma and so usually for people who have are struggling with guilt and shame then their self-narrative is going to be something like, I'm a bad person, or um, I deserved what happened to me, or I'm not worthy of love, right? And so narrative therapy 
takes the person on a journey of reflecting on that, uh, reflecting on their past experiences, considering alternative views of those experiences. Um, So learning how to look at what happened in different ways, Uh, appreciating the good things that have happened as a result of the trauma, trauma or the events that have happened in the past. And then reauthoring our preferred lives and relationships. So kind of retelling the story. This is a great way to reconcile past trauma into present day life. It's a really powerful way to help quieten down those ruminating thoughts you know the thoughts that go over and over and just kind of torment us uh, so narrative therapy is one that i use quite a lot yeah, so ma'am, uh, trauma have a lot of effects so ma'am, how trauma affect emotionally and psychologically it affects our ability to self-regulate our emotions Right, so we can be triggered quite easily when we're struggling with symptoms of trauma. Um, We're kind of living in this heightened sense of self. So a common symptom of trauma is hyperarousal. So that's when your body is always scanning the environment, looking for cues of danger so that you can get out of there or so that you can fight or so that you can hide and protect yourself. Um, And that's exhausting and it also releases stress chemicals in our bodies, which over a long period of time deteriorates our health. So it has, um, it takes its toll on our emotional health, on our psychological health and on our physical health. Being in that state over a long period of time, so there's lots of overlap. Um, between like the emotional and psychological effects of trauma. Another response though, in contrast to that, is is being in a hypo-arousal state. So that's when you completely shut down um, because you are unable to cope with the symptoms of trauma. Or if past memories come up like flashbacks um, and you, you can't process it, your body just goes into protective mode and completely shuts down. So that could be when you go into like deep depression, where you feel completely debilitated that you can't do anything. I've had clients describe that to me as feeling like they're in a fog that they can't get out of or feeling completely disconnected from their bodies, um, which I think I mentioned before, like feeling numb like they just can't experience anything. So these are quite common reactions to trauma on both extremes. So how moving from trauma to resilience works? Yeah, I love that question. Um, This is my favorite part, is helping people to move from trauma to resilience. Um, And I touched on it before, but I'll unpack it more now. Being in community with others is how you move from trauma to resilience. We're social creatures, right? We need connection. We thrive on it. I think that's never been more clear than it is now, right? With so many people in isolation, um, we've realized we really need each other. We really need connection. Uh, And survivors of trauma, most especially because again, they need to uh, get that sense of safety back 
in their own bodies and to feel safe with other people. And the only way they can do that is to learn how to be around other people again. So getting a support system, um, building a community and looking at that whole of person health. So one of the frameworks that I adopted a few years ago uh, is the post-traumatic growth framework. So this is a trauma-informed approach that is based on over a decade's worth of research. And what this research has shown is characteristics that are common in survivors of trauma who have not only survived their trauma, but they're now flourishing as a result of their trauma. So they're actually experiencing life to an even greater capacity than they were before they were even traumatized. And so researchers spent a lot of years studying these people and looking for common characteristics in these people so that we could take that and apply it to other survivors of trauma to help them flourish, to help them grow as a result of their trauma. And so what our researchers found were five key characteristics that were common in these people who are now flourishing. Um, one is that they experience strengthened relationships. So again, that's like the number one relationships. Um, two was that they experienced a deepening of their spiritual life or a complete change in their belief system. So believing that there's something higher than you, that there's something that's in control that actually fosters healing in our lives and it's scientifically proven now, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, the third is being able to develop a sense of new opportunity as a result of tr the trauma that you've been through. So it might be that you've been able to learn something about yourself as a result of the trauma that you have survived. Or it might be that you want to serve other people who have been through what you have been through. So it's looking for those new opportunities and, and making the most of those opportunities. Um, the fourth characteristic is developing a, a greater appreciation for life. So being able to look and remind yourself of the things that you're thankful for every day. This actually has huge impacts um, on a psychological level, on a physical level, you know, when we're thinking about the things that we're thankful for, we're literally releasing happy chemicals in our brain, which has a snowball effect in the rest of our body and affects the way that we function. Um, and then the fifth characteristic is having a sense of your own inner strength. So, you know, acknowledging if I can get through that, I can get through anything. Um, and so it, it helps to develop that internal locus of control um, of having that that sense of purpose and autonomy once again. And so I personally have integrated that into my own practice and helping the girls that I work with develop in those five areas. So helping them to build relationships, helping them to practice thankfulness in everything that they're doing, helping them to unpack what their spiritual beliefs are and, and asking the question, if you believe in a, a god or whatever why do you believe in that and help them get like a solid foundation in that um, and helping them to acknowledge that they are strong because they're still here they've survived and to and to help them um really celebrate that and acknowledge that over their own lives so 
Since adopting that framework, I have seen far more resilience developed in survivors of trauma over such a, a, a faster period of time than I ever have before. So it really has been quite a game changer for me as a trauma-informed carer to integrate post-traumatic growth into uh, my practice. Oh, that is so amazing. I mean, I would like to appreciate for helping many people going through that, uh, getting out from that situation. Yeah, it's really the highlight of my career is seeing people who have been through horrific things um, have the foundation in their life that they can continue to build upon. And this post-traumatic growth is developing these five key characteristics lays a, a really solid foundation that survivors just can continue to strengthen throughout their lifetime. Ma'am, uh, I heard somewhere, like uh, somewhere on newspaper, so uh, I heard that uh, hypnosis also played a very important role in healing from trauma. So is that true, like hypnosis also? I haven't practiced hypnosis at all. I have read some studies where that yeah. has worked. I don't think it would be the case I don't think it would be for everybody, um, but certainly I've seen the research and read case studies of people who have benefit greatly from hypnosis. Probably not the best person to speak into it though. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So ma'am, uh, how can we as a society support trauma survivors? Yeah, I love that question. Um, I think the most important thing, again, we go back to it's um, it's so important for a survivor to feel safe again. Yeah. So being present and being patient is the most important thing we could do to support a trauma survivor. I think um, it's a common pitfall that we would try and um, fix the problem when we're coming alongside trauma survivors. Right? We just we see them in pain and we want to fix their pain and that's normal and that comes from a good place. Um, but I think it can be quite damaging. I think when we realise that that's not the answer when coming along trauma survivors, that all we need to do is be a calming presence and a listening ear, that's going to be what fosters safety in them again. And that can be quite a slow process. And so that's why it's important that we have that patience when we're coming alongside them. So, because we, we need people we can trust and depend on, right? So as tempting as it might be to try and find solutions, um, my advice would just to be a comforting, non-judgmental presence and listening ear. Um, and even and be encouraged to know that even when it feels like you aren't doing anything to help, keep checking in, keep showing up, because our presence is the most powerful support we can provide. Also, sometimes like we will have to make them feel normal as well, because uh, if we know someone from like trauma survivor, so we becoming over caring towards them, so that that could also actually that's so true yes we don't want to baby them we don't yeah we don't want to feel like they're being coddled that lives i mean that's not nice for anyone right we just <laughs> so, have yeah, to make them feel like you are you are like every one of us and you are totally normal about it yeah absolutely 
Yeah, exactly. So ma'am, what is the most effective way to heal from trauma? Well, I think first it's important to address what the term being healed means. Yeah. Um, if my definition of being healed is that I never experience the negative effects of trauma ever again, yeah. I actually don't think that's realistic. Um, if, however, healing is understood as having healthy coping mechanisms, a strong support network, an understanding of the ways that trauma affects me on a, a physical, emotional, and mental level, then I would call that healing. Um, one trauma survivor I listened to recently as she was sharing her experience, she she described it as, as healing from trauma as learning to dance with the date that brought you. So she said, um, healing from trauma is not a linear process. It's a constant back and forth throughout life, like being able to dance with the one that brought you. It's learning to have compassion for yourself as difficult emotions arise and learning how to interact with those emotions from a new perspective. So essentially what she's saying is it's being able to manage the stuff that comes up as it comes up and really that will that will continue to happen always probably less and less as you yeah. as you move on um so i would say you can heal from trauma to the degree that you can work in partnership with it yeah so i think that's really important for survivors of trauma knowledge to, to take the pressure of trying to achieve full healing and to learn that just having ways to cope um, with the stuff that comes up is actually quite significant. So I would say get support, don't attempt to do it alone. Um, healing from trauma is all about learning to feel safe in your body again. Uh, and to do that, we need community and people we can trust. Um, and then I would also say if you can find a therapist um, or join a professionally facilitated support group. Um, how meditation helps in trauma? Now, meditation is so powerful um, in, in, in bringing in here, fostering healing. Um, meditation helps strengthen our ability to regulate our emotions um, and also observe our experiences and feelings as they come up. So this is really important because as negative stuff comes up in our lives, our ability to stand back and observe it rather than react gives us a sense of control and it enables us to respond with consideration rather than respond in that like heat of the moment kind of emotionally charged reaction, which I think we've all experienced, right? <laughs> um, we all face adversity and so this is something that all of us can benefit from but particularly trauma survivors this has been really damaged this um, ability to observe and self-regulate so uh, meditation helps to strengthen uh, the prefrontal cortex part of our brain so um, the better we become at um, at engaging our prefrontal cortex. So our prefrontal cortex is responsible for um, like making judgment calls, for 
logical thinking, for considering long-term outcomes, for planning for the future, uh, creative thinking, all of the things that we need, especially when we face adversity, right? We need yeah. those skills. So meditation helps us to strengthen that part of our brain. Um, and so that enables us to handle those stressful situations a lot better. Um, and it also, meditation helps us to pay attention to our body. So I think this has come up a few times now as we've talked, we need to listen to what our bodies are telling us. Um, and often trauma survivors feel quite disconnected from their body or they don't, they don't know what signs to listen to and not listen to because everything's kind of been thrown out of whack. Um, but because our bodies are always telling us what it needs, meditation provides a space for us to pay more attention to that. So, you know, if we're not aware of what our body needs, we can't take care of it, right? If you don't feel hunger, you can't nourish yourself. Yeah. If you mistake anxiety for hunger, you might eat too much. Um, and if you can't feel when you're full, you might just keep eating, right? So these are all like signals that our body sends us to say either you need to eat or you need to stop eating or you need water or you need to go to the bathroom or whatever. Our bodies are communicating all the time. So learning how to listen to the cues our body constantly gives us is a critical aspect of trauma recovery and meditation provides the space for us to stop and listen to what our bodies are saying. Um, and it helps us to um, integrate our mind with our bodily sensations, which again is a key part of trauma recovery is that integration of mind and body. All right. Thank you for this amazing information that you had given to us. So now moving on to the second round and the fun part of our interview, which will be the rapid fire round. I also played it with Holly. Uh, yeah, I guess uh, she's your friend from Australia. Yeah. Oh, Holly, yeah. yes, from Save the Kids. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So uh, my first question to you is, what place you want to visit after COVID? Australia. Oh, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I really miss my family. <laughs> yeah, your family also must be missing you. Yeah. Yes. And especially when, when during this this pandemic time. So, uh, my brother also lives in Melbourne. So, so I miss him a lot. Oh, and he's in lockdown now. Is yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So, ma'am, who is your biggest inspiration? So many inspirations. I'm going to be really corny and say my sister. <laughs> oh, okay. She, she's the most generous hearted person I've ever met. She's always thinking of other people. She's always thinking about ways that she can make other people happy. She's always creating little cakes and desserts and treats to bless other people with. And she's just got such a beautiful, warm heart. And she's also an amazing communicator. And so she inspires wow. me daily. Your sister must be happy about it. That your biggest inspiration <laughs> is your sister. Yeah. <laughs> So ma'am, uh, tell me about your best childhood memory. Best childhood memory. Um, when I, so I grew up in Queensland, which is quite a hot climate. It's actually quite similar to India. We had a big 
pool in our backyard. Um, and so myself and my sisters, when we got the pool, would spend like all day and night in the pool. So I think my best childhood memories are doing like backflips and somersaults with my sisters in wow. the pool. That is amazing. Try, yeah, <laughs> trying not to drown each other when we're mucking around. But yeah, I think when I think about my childhood, I think that's probably one of the most fun times. Wow. So ma'am, uh, what, uh, what will be your three wishes from Ginny? From where, sorry? From Ginny. So Ginny is the magical one who grant you three wishes and uh, your, your, <laughs> all your wishes comes true. Uh, three wishes? Yeah. Uh, okay, so my first wish would be that all children would be safe, that there would be no more sexual exploitation. That would be my first wish, which is probably also really corny, but that's, that's what it is. <laughs> uh, my second would be selfishly that I could see my family again because I really miss them. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so quite open, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and my third wish, all of my friends and family could go on an amazing holiday together. That'd be my third wish. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be fun. Uh, your last question is, uh, question is, who is your favorite cartoon character? Oh, my favorite cartoon character. Yeah. I can't remember the last time I watched one. I'm going to have to think deep now. Does Aladdin count? Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> the first one that came to mind? I'm going to say Aladdin. I think they had really cool clothes and he could fly on a magic carpet, which seems fun. So, yeah, Aladdin. Wow, wow, that's that's great. You watch Aladdin, which is like, comes on Sony sub in India. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I love. <laughs> ma'am, it was very wonderful interviewing you, ma'am. I would like to thank you again for your wonderful words and educating us about trauma and how to go through trauma and what are the situations. So ma'am, thanks a lot for this. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me to share. I really appreciate the opportunity. Great questions, by the way. Thanks a lot, ma'am. So girls and boys, ladies and gentlemen, this is all for today. We will be back with another story, another person back soon. For now, be safe, stay tuned. Goodbye.